بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وأفضل الصلاة وأتم تسليم على سيدنا ومولانا محمدا وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم أجمعين سبحانك لا علمنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم So we are progressing nicely through this text and inshallah we have two sessions left we'll be able to finish and then comes the hard part which is to actually put it into practice and this is a, a very traditional blessed guide to raising children educating children rearing children which is essentially a process of being means for what already exists within them to come out and yes on one hand you could speak about planting seeds in the hearts of children but really everything that every human being has already exists within them it's just a matter of being a means to bring it out everything that we need already exists and our prophet indicated this sallallahu he said in the hadith that we've all heard I've only been sent to complete good character because it already exists within the human being. The Prophet just came to bring it out. And even the traits that we have, there's traits that we have already that just need to manifest in a religious context. And then the traits that we don't have are there by way of potentiality within the human being, just as by way of potentiality, the fruit of an apple seed exists within the seed. But you have to plant it, and you have to nurture it until you eventually can harvest the apples. So we've reached page 193, excuse me, 103, for those that are following along with the text titled Educating Children, Classical Advice for Modern Times, which is the translation of Riyadh al-Sabyan. And the chapter is titled Disciplining the Young Person. So we left off last session about a month ago where we were talking about the importance of respect that are shown for people that deserve our respect. People like, of course, our parents, our grandparents, our relatives, <coughs> special people, knowledgeable people, honorable people, and inculcating in our children uh, love and respect for people of distinction. And so that when they meet them, they know how to be, they know how to act, they know how to carry themselves, they know what it is that they should be doing. And then he that starts to, after talking about that, how do you then go about disciplining the children? And what do you do when they actually do things that are right? So some of the important principles for consideration are what follows. So I'll first read the Arabic. So the author says, وَإِنْ ظَهَرْ فِعْلُ الْجَمِيلِ مِنْهُمْ فَيَنْبَغِي بِأَنْ يُجَازَ عَنْهُمْ And if good actions from him arise, rewarding him for that becomes necessary. وَأَنْ يُبَجَّدْ قَدْرَهُ وَيُمْدَحُ بِمَا بِهِ بَيْنَ الْأَنَامِ يَفْرَحُ his status should be raised and he should be praised with what amongst people will bring him happiness. So, 
this teaches us the importance of confirming the good that our kids do by recognizing it publicly. We congratulate them. We point it out. We let them know this is something that makes us happy. And someone might think in their mind, wait, if you're doing it for the sake of Allah, why is this important? They're children. That comes as they grow older and older, where eventually that we don't do anything other than for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. But while they're still growing, while they're still learning, it's important to use this technique so that they, you don't, and partially because, and this is actually coming, you don't want to always be negative towards them and just always yell at them for everything that they do wrong or discipline them for everything, discipline them for everything they do wrong, is that it's a balance. When they do things right, you have to point it out. You can't just pass over it like, oh, that's what they should be doing anyway. No, it's the job of the parent to confirm it and to <clears throat> reinforce it. And so whatever that might be, whether it be something they do in relation to deen, they memorize a dua, they memorize a surah of the Qur'an, um, or they show some example of good character, the, their brother or their sister or their friend um, wants a toy, so they share and they give it with them, or uh, they think about another person. And this is something that we should encourage our kids to do from an early stage, is to be that very generous and to think about giving gifts and sharing and all of these noble things. And they should see our response and that we're happy when they do do that. And that reinforces that trait. And of course, excuse me, children are different. <clears throat> some of them have these traits more naturally than others and some of them need to learn it. Um, so that we should reinforce that by praising them for it. And if it's done in front of other people, that in a balanced fashion, that it's also good to point those things out without reaching the point of bragging about your children. Uh, nobody likes to hear anyone brag about their own children. And so that's the kind of the line that we draw. We never brag about our children in front of other people. And unfortunately, this is very, very common. And that uh, parents, of course, like to be proud of their children and become very happy for the various things that they do, but it shouldn't reach the point where they're considered to be bragging about them and, and so forth and so on. And um, all of us have been in situations where we see this happening and it's just like, ah, okay, right? Um, it's too much. And if there's good, it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that also we should thank Him for it, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then the opposite as well. And if he in secrecy does a sinful act, so they do something wrong, his punishment in public should not be conducted. He should not be berated amongst all types of people and fear that this may push him beyond his limits. Now, what does that mean? is that, first of all, when children are doing something uh, privately, at the base level, that indicates that they're shy about doing that particular thing. And while they're still pretty young, it's something that we should be aware of and treat. Now, that doesn't mean that as they get older and they get into their teenage years, and they start developing 
a very dark private side to them that no one else knows about. That could actually be very dangerous. And there are examples of people who turned out to be some of the worst people ever. And what one of the common themes was that they were living a secret life that no one knew about. And that's much easier to do in the world of social media, where <clears throat> you could be alone in your room with the door closed and experiencing something terrible on the other side of the world, even though you're in a totally different place. And this is one of the big dangers of these phones and devices, is it exposes our children to so much, and then <clears throat> they develop addictions of different sorts, even if it's just a, that a, an addiction of stimulation, of always wanting to be in front of a video game or something of that nature, that could potentially derail them completely. So that's not what he's talking about here. That we have to be very careful of. And we have to open up the lines of communication with our children so that does not happen. And it would be, a, it would be much better for us to know what our kids are doing and have them to be able to speak to us about things that they're doing even wrong. And us talking to them about it and helping them through that as opposed to them never ever telling us and you find out, my God, what have you been watching? What have you been doing? And sometimes then it's too late because the, the addiction has already developed and it could be a substance abuse problem. Could, there's a lot of different types of addictions. So we have to be very careful about that. But while they're still young, if they do something behind the scenes, then the etiquette is to deal with it behind the scenes as a parent. And in general, it's really looked down upon to discipline your kids in public. Now, that doesn't mean that you just let your kids do whatever they want to do. So your kids are running all over the place and, no, I'm not going to discipline them. They told us in class, just let the kids go free. Yani, that everything has a balanced approach to it. Um, yes, it's important to that keep your children in line for both men and women alike. Uh, that's just a part of Adam. Uh, however, that we should try to have environments that are kid-friendly and people are merciful and empathetic and welcoming to everybody, especially in our time. And then it's each individual parent's responsibility as a joint effort, both husband and that wife alike to, that make sure that they look after their kids. That's not what he's referring to here. But if they just do, like, something wrong, okay, um, and publicly punishing them, like raising your voice at them or doing something uh, that is beyond merely just recognizing and indicating that's not something that we should do. Um, but let's say we are in public and we see our child right, hit another child or throw another child's toy or something like that. Yes, obviously in that situation, we tell them, okay, no, you don't do that. Be nice. That's not what he means. But going beyond that where... Um, if someone would spank their child or something like this or that yell at them or something like that, that would be too much uh, in front of other people. And when this happens over and over again, and sometimes it does, there are parents that do this regularly publicly or even in front of other family members and things of that nature. Um, what happens is they, the children become desensitized to the discipline. And to the point where it just doesn't work. And so in their mind, they say, okay, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Okay, 
mommy or daddy is going to do this and this, and then back to normal. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. They become desensitized to it. No. So then he says, Thus making him indifferent to exclusion and to reproach to any of his actions. His reproach should be in fact in a manner that none should know of it. Okay? So that we should, that in general, discipline our kids when indeed there's something where they need to be disciplined regarding. And it could be a type of verbal discipline where we're very firm with them, like we don't do that. That's wrong. And if it needs an explanation, we explain it to them. And the punishment should be in degree, in according to the degree of the infraction. If it was minor, then there should be a minor loss of privileges of some sort. If it's major, then there should be a major loss of privileges. And um, that is, in general, one of the best ways to that quote-unquote punish or discipline our kids is by taking away privileges. And um, because our kids in general are very privileged in the society in which we live and the way that they live compared to that's a good percentage of the people worldwide. And children have to understand that there's consequences for their actions. It's very important. And taking away privileges or having them do, when they get a little bit older, chores of a certain type uh, and so forth and so on. They should have, every child should have a base set of chores that they do and should be encouraged from early on to take part in the duties around the house. But there could be extra things then that happen as a result. And if it's very, very serious, then we should take away that some of the, the real privileges that they have, the things that they really, really like. And um, if in terms of their grades or something like that in sports or whether it's in whatever it might be, uh, but we should consider all of these things. But in general, we do this behind the scenes. And um, that we do this so that they don't get exposed in front of other people. And then he says, So this is similar to what was just mentioned. Is that he should say, if this is known about him, it would be humiliating. Oh, sorry, excuse me. That was actually from before. He should say, if this is known about him, it would be humiliating. So that to so to this action, do not return. Did I skip a line here? So, words should not be made plenty, for this would make the reproach empty. 
So his, his next piece of advice really is um, that we have to be very careful about laying into our kids all of the time. And this becomes very difficult as parents when we're going through our own states. We have our own things that annoy us. We have our own idiosyncrasies. We have our pet peeves. And sometimes that when we see something from one of our children, it turns into a pattern. Where? That on a daily basis or a regular basis, we keep pointing out the same thing, pointing out the same thing, pointing out the same thing. And oftentimes, it's of a negative type nature. And in the end, this makes no sense from the standpoint of what's supposed to be an intelligent and aware parent because it's going to be in one ear and out the other ear of the child. It's not going to help at all. They're going to continue doing the same thing and they're not going to listen whatsoever. And then that we are now assisting that child in doing the act whatever it is that they were doing because we're not taking the right approach to it. That constant pessimism and negativity and constant scolding about the same things over and over again, that doesn't work. It's a failed methodology and method. We should find other ways. Yes, there might be certain things, that issues that they have. They might neglect certain duties. They might be forgetful. They might, whatever it might be. But we need to find other ways other than just repetitive criticism. And um, if we just criticize, 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 we're negative, 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 the same thing over and over and over again, is that, this is exactly what he says, it would be feared that he becomes insistent and indifferent to whatever actions in the future he may do. Um, so we're actually doing a great disservice to our child by doing that. And um, yes, this becomes difficult because manners, when it comes to uh, children is something that has to be reinforced over a 10, 15 year period, time and time again, time and time again, time and time again. And as we've already discussed before, there are certain things that when you're that young teenager or not yet a teenager, where there's a tendency to kind of roll the eyes and like, oh, here we go again. Although in a traditional culture, if someone ever rolled their eyes, it would be a big problem. But anyhow, um, like in traditional cultures, like you do not roll your eyes at your parents. Like that's a big, big no-no. And if you ask people that grew up in cultures like that, and you ask them, like, have you ever rolled your eyes at your parents? They'd be like, what? Right? And then you ask people who converted and tell you stories of things that they've seen about the way that kids act with their parents. And the other side can't believe that someone would actually do that. Anyhow, it's two different worlds in many ways. Uh, but um, we have to find ways to reach them. And we have to learn to control ourselves and to uh, whatever it is that we do, we have to find ways to bring out the best in them. And we should never lose hope that by having the right method, doing the right thing, even if for five years we keep telling them the same thing. Oftentimes, it doesn't, they don't realize what is it we teach them until they leave the home and they get married, they move on in life, they start working and then, oh, thank you mom, thank you dad for all of those times. And um, 
that I remember in my, my own family, my mother telling me this uh, when my sister was in high school, that she was not an easy that child for my mother. And then all of a sudden she went away to college and like my mom said, like two to three weeks in, she said, Mom, I miss you so much. She says, thank you for everything. And my mom's like, Molly, is this you? Are you like the same person that is saying this? And it like took her, to, like being away out of home in the dorms at college to finally realize like, oh, wow, that my mom really raised me well and, and really that was trying to do what was best for me. And all of us are like that. We're thankful when we're taught etiquette and manners from our parents and ways to be at a later time. And many of us will remember some of these positive things well into our life. My father taught me this, my father taught me this, my mother taught me this, and so forth and so on. And um, so we, shouldn't, we should not despair in the moment that somehow what we're doing isn't of benefit. But the key is to have the right method. Is that yes, there's times we have to be firm. And yes, there's times where you should probably even scold them to let them know that this is something we don't do. But the key is matching the right response. And may Allah forgive us because we make mistakes in this. Matching the right response to what happened. And doing so, mixing up approaches. And um, in the end, our goal really is that not to just beat them down. The goal is to help them that really be the way that they should be. And so we have to be careful. That requires controlling our anger. That requires that controlling our tongue requires controlling our tongue and a number of other different things. Taman. <clears throat> so then he's going to switch to a different topic that is titled Avoiding Bad Characteristics. And this is all fairly obvious, so we'll go through this fairly quickly. So he says, You had diruhu rayat al tahdiri min al kadib wal fuhshi wal fujuri. So he says that he that warns him severely, very intensely from things like lying, indecencies, and all different types of transgression. And of sins like theft, stealing, eating from the unlawful, because all of this leads to bad actions. So this is something very, very important. Is that these are the times if we catch our child lying. We cannot pass over that as if it wasn't a big deal. And like, oh, he's so cute. Look at him. He's telling little fib. No, that's not cute. Um, And especially when they reach a certain age where they really shouldn't be doing that. Um, And it it might happen a little bit more when they are younger. But when they reach a certain age where... They can know the difference between the two, lying and telling the truth. We should be very firm on this. We should be very, very firm. And um, when a child does that, and we take a very strong stance to that, then it's going to resonate with them that this is simply something you don't do. And um, I remember our teachers telling us stories of this with their parents. And when it came to lying, especially, and this is why it's the first thing that he mentioned, when it came to lying, their parents were very, very strict. And that one time, 
this happened, and the parent you know, said you know, to the child that my son might do a few things, but my son will never be a liar. That's not going to happen. Right? Emphasizing to them that this is simply something we don't do. And we should have a policy at home that if our children tell the truth, then they still might get disciplined, but it's not going to be as severe as if they try to twist the truth or let alone outright lie. And if they outright lie, especially when they get a little bit older, the consequences should be severe. And so that they know to never do that again. And hopefully that it's not a habit that they develop. If it becomes a habit, then that needs a whole other approach. Okay? But, so lying especially is one of the most serious things of all. And we should take that serious as parents. And um, then that all the types of transgressions and the things that we shouldn't be doing, we should indicate to them that these are not things that we do. These are things that we that dislike. And the problem is, even things that our kids are exposed to, even if they're PG, right, that means nothing for us as Muslims. It means nothing. It means nothing. Other than, okay, there's some things that uh, are in PG-13, let alone R, that are not in there. But still PG contains kabair for us. In PG films, there's things that are major sins. Kaba'ir. PG means nothing for a Muslim. Other than, okay, that there's things that are horrible too in, the, in some of the others. But even in PG, you see Urkuk al-Walidain. You see children mistreating their parents. You see shirk of different types. That you see all kinds of stuff in a PG movie. And Rasulullah and Afya. Right. And that not, not only in relation to the, uh, the films that our kids see, but also the books that they read. And these are problems. I, I don't, there's not, if you ask, okay, what's the solution? There's not an easy solution, unfortunately. And no matter how much you prevent your kids from these things, somehow they're exposed to it. Even if you don't have a TV, even if they don't have a phone, somehow they tend to get exposed to these things. Uh, and the key is to try to mitigate it to the extent possible. And sometimes it requires that you even watch some of these things with them to indicate to them that what they should be seeing or what they shouldn't be seeing. And you react in real time while you're with them. Like, oh, oh. You cover the screen or whatever else, right? And then they'll pick up on that naturally from you, what they should see. And then you'll see that they'll actually end up doing it on their own. Uh, and so uh, it's unrealistic to, for us to expect that our children are not going to be exposed to any of this ever. Uh, so we have to try our best to teach them the proper response when they actually are exposed to it. And then everything else, things like stealing, of course, that is something that we want to that teach our children very strongly. This is something that we simply don't do. And if we find that they actually did do that. We make them go apologize and to return something, even if it's humiliating for them. We make them do the right thing. And then, that eating from the lawful. There are parents out there that just think that, okay, you know, he's young, just let him eat the meal at public school. It's not a big deal. 
Just let him eat. Let him be like everyone else, right? And these are this is these are serious matters, because just because they're younger doesn't mean that you feed them haram food. Right? And even though they're not legally responsible, if the parent allows him to do that, they're sinning. It's haram for the parents to feed their children that unlawful food, and so. We have to be very careful about these things. And yes, that as they interact with non-Muslims, it is difficult. Because where do people tend to go? They'll go to McDonald's or Burger King or... What's it? Chicken play? Chick- I used to always think it was Chick-a-Fil. I've never eaten in my entire life. Chick-fil-A, right? Um, and it's like, really, we should not be eating at these places. Because it's like, it's, you know I mean? Even when we order other things, the cross-contamination, even fries, and like, what, what, I mean, all, it, it's really, it's not a place we should be eating, right? Especially when there's other alternatives. And usually there are other alternatives of some sort. We really shouldn't be eating at these places ever. Uh, the food is just, it's not, one, it's terrible for your health, uh, and two, that it's very questionable in terms of its the lawfulness. Um, anyhow, let alone that this strand of Muslims that you still have in the U.S. that think that you can just get a Big Mac or a Whopper and say, Bismillah, and it's halal. I'm just like, I'm still, it's still beyond me how that is still prevalent. And, and, you know, most of the circles that we might tend to be in, that's not there, but there's still a lot of people that really think that that's okay to this day. The Jews say, Bismillah, and then eat the hamburger. And it's just, it's completely beyond me. Right, how uh, Muslims can, can think like that. And the, the danger is, is that, I mean, this is, it's, you know, Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, he one time was brought food by one of his servants. And then the servant asked him, he said, you didn't ask me about the food, which normally he did. And so, it was from a wedding of, I think they were polytheists. And so Sayyidina Abu Bakr that went and immediately forced himself to regurgitate. Right. He forced himself to regurgitate as much as he could. And then he said, Ya Rab, I've done what I can. Please don't take me to account for what I'm unable to do. And there's a hadith that says, Kullu lahman nabata bil haram fannaru awla bih. And actually the word was min suht, which is haram. Kullu lahman nabata min suhtan fannaru awla bih. That any flesh that grows from haram food, from haram, a haram source, is that the fire has more right to it. In other words, it has to be burned out of you in the next world. It's very, very dangerous. And then look what happens. You ingest haram food, and <clears throat> everything about you then is growing from haram. It's one of the quickest ways to derail someone spiritually. The foundations of this, the foundations of the spiritual path is to have a halal income and to eat halal food. There is no spiritual path. There's no such thing as to solve without having a halal income and halal food. But that's the foundation. If you don't have a halal income, everything that you buy is tainted by the haram, even if it's permissible to buy. If you don't have halal food, your entire body and everything that you do is tainted by haram. And haram food, food with a shubha, 
food of a doubtful nature will harden your heart and prevent you from traveling the spiritual path, let alone haram food. It just opens up the door for animal and demonic desire in the heart for you just to do whatever. And um, just as halal food brings illumination to the heart, halal and tayyib food brings even greater illumination to the heart. And so our food intake, we should be really careful about it. And we should try our best. And I know in the world in which we live to get really good food, it's more expensive. To get it halal, free range, ethical, all of those considerations, um, organic, it costs more money. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, things are getting a little bit better because the market has grown, so it's a little bit easier. And now even at places like Walmart, you can get um, that uh, halal organic chicken in uh, and, and, and many other places as well. So increasingly, it's getting easier and easier, but we should take this very, very seriously. And to, to make sure that, especially our children, is that we are nurturing them and having them eat properly from the time that they're young. This is really, really important. And this is, I would even add, not only in relation to halal, that's the foundation, but even the types of food that they eat. Um, that they're going to, just as they're exposed to junk things that they watch, they're going to be exposed to junk food. That's all there is to it. They're going to be exposed to that. But we should try our best, at least at home, to give them wholesome, good food and try to give them healthy snacks. And occasionally, here and there, it's okay every once in a while to splurge, as they say, and have something nice and to you know, eat sweets and to have cake or whatever. From time to time, there's nothing wrong with that. Tamam. <clears throat> so then he says... فَإِنْ أَتَى وَقْتُ الْبُلُوغِ وَالصَّبِيِّ بِهَذِي الْأَشَاءِ خَبِيرٌ لَا غَبِيٌ يَعْرِفُهُ مَقْصَدَ الْأَشَاءِ لِمُدَّةِ الدُّنْيَا وَلِلْأُخْرَاءِ MashaAllah Okay So he says And if maturity comes and the child of these matters is aware and not oblivious the true purpose of things should be made known to him and the shortness of this life and the eternity of the latter Okay, so what is he saying here? Is that when children are young, you just tell them, this is what you do, this is what you don't do. And if they're able, as they get a little bit older for a brief explanation, fine. But it's more about, this is what we do, this is what we don't do. With very brief explanations. As they get older, they'll start to have the ability to understand more. So when they're able, and he mentions here, walked in Baluk, when they become legally responsible, but it might be a little bit before. This is where it's not just do's and don'ts don't work. You have to start explaining things to them. You have to give them the why, the maqsad al-asha, the purpose of things. What is the whole purpose that we eat like this? What is the whole purpose that we do this? What is the frame for our worship? And look at one of the things we spoke about over the weekend. Framing worship as a means to that draw near to Allah, to come to love Allah and be beloved by Allah. Framing worship as such. That talking about how everything in the sacred law is gets down to two things: what brings us benefit and what harms us. Every ruling of the secret law of the sacred law relates to this. It's either to bring about benefit for us or to ward off that harm from us. Everything, and so that's really powerful when you approach the sacred law like that. 
And then you can go beyond that where you talk about the five things that the sacred law came to preserve and religion and so forth and the all five, the intellect and family, lineage and so forth and your honor, which is actually the sixth. Um, but we start to explain things and you start to explain that how it is that we should approach life and what should be our perspective in relation to family, what should be our perspective in relation to wealth and career, what should be our perspective in relation to community. Now they're able to um, that understand more than they were able to previously. So we have to, we have to then explain the maqsad al-asha, the purpose of things, in relation to things in this world, in relation to preparing for the next world. And then he says, And all worldly provision for mankind is an aid to him in worshipping the most merciful. To those of piety, it will give strength in their worship, with which felicity will be attained. So we teach them, what's the whole purpose that we eat? Do we eat for the sake of eating? Is it just about enjoying the food? Or do we see food as a means as a means to that give us good health, which is a means for us then to that worship Allah Taala. And again, you might think that at a certain, at a, at a, you might think that it's in one year or one year, but you still have to do it. And the hope is, if you trust in Allah and you make du'a constantly and you do your part, even if they have a moment, because the shabab shubhatum and the that. That youthfulness is a branch of insanity. Kids are crazy. They do crazy things. The hope is they'll come back. The hope is they'll come back. And um, that we have to help build their foundation though for them. And so we teach them what they do, what they don't do, why they do what they do, and why they don't do what they don't do. We teach them about all these different things, the wisdoms behind things, and how we should approach provision, how should we, we should approach food, relationships, and all of this. Imagine a child never being told anything about their parents about marriage. And okay, get married. Yeah, Latif. That's a serious problem. That's why so many marriages are dissolving. One of the main reasons why so many marriages are dissolving is that we have to teach our children, men and women alike, boys and girls alike, how to be a spouse what it is that they should think about. What are the traits that they should have. What do you do if such and such a thing happens. What do you do if such and such a thing happens. If you don't. They're going to be left to their own. And we cannot let the media. And that Hollywood define. How we should be in a relationship. It will be a complete disaster. And then. And death is the closest of all anticipated things. And this world for us is an abode of passage. The latter, the abode of lasting residence. And the son of Adam will meet with his actions. And when they're young, yes, they should know this. Even in their teens. We should remind them of stories of people in their prime. When they're enjoying everything, their life was taken. It's important. We, have to, we are realists in the sense we try to come to terms with reality as believers. We don't run from reality. We have natural mechanisms that help us cope, yes. And it doesn't mean that you roll up your seeds and just confront reality. No, we're human beings. It's, yeah, you have to. There's a 
we have to be wise in how we do this, but we definitely don't run away from it. And the stronger our iman, the more we'll be able to deal with reality. And ideally, we could have an iman such that nothing that happens to us or nothing that happens in creation shakes us. Because we have iman. And we can clearly distinguish between what was done. And even if there's someone we look up to, whether it be a teacher, family member, friend, whatever, and they make a mistake, even if it's a big mistake, it doesn't shake us in our deed. Because we realize they're human. And that could happen. And we have to have mercy for them and have empathy and recognize that wrong is wrong. We don't right a wrong. But we're balanced. We put the outward in the outward and the inward in the inward. And then finally, he says, فَيَنْبَغِ التَّكْثِيرُ لِلْطَعَاتِ تَزَوَّدًا فِي مُدَّةِ الْحَيَاةِ وَحِينَ مَا يَنْشُ الْوَلَدِ مُؤَدَّبًا يَكُونُ فِي بُلُوغِهِ مُحَذَّبًا So, um, to that end, righteous deeds should be increased and the span of life his provisions should be made. And when the child grows educated, he will be in his maturity refined. And so... Um, this is where he's going to start now wrapping it up. And the last session will just be on the last lines that he mentions here. Uh, but if we raise the ch our children upon these meanings, and we use this as kind of the staple of what we really want to inculcate in them, and then we add to that um, other techniques that can be benefited from in the modern world, other approaches and philosophies to rearing children. There's a lot of good things out there. That if you're rooted in this traditional understanding, you can add from different things that can help you uh, raise your children. And it's very good to be exposed to, uh, to read about and to that educate yourself about various techniques, especially if your child develops a certain problem. Um, that if you root it in this understanding, then add to that from some of the outward considerations that, uh, inshallah, you, you will... Uh, that we'll be able to raise good children. But in the end, that it's not up to us. It's up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That the matter is out of our control and out of our hands. All we can do is what we can do. And if someone makes a mistake in terms of relation to something that they could do, they repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then they submit to Allah. Because that ultimately... Inna lillah. We belong to Allah Ta'ala, not to Him, that we will return, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I think that will suffice us for today. We'll have our final session um, next month in March, and then we will finish uh, this, this book, Bi'inni Ta'ala. So again, I, I do recommend that everyone gets a copy of this and kind of has it on their shelf. And um, uh, some of the discussions are a little bit long, so it is also helpful to kind of have your own like journal, if you will, or um, um, like list of things that you feel that you can implement or want to implement. Um, and um, the more you engage the material, the more questions that will arise. Yeah, and then sometimes there's a very specific situation uh, that it might even require like a specialist or someone who really knows details about this to find a solution for that particular you know, issue. And, and then there's certain situations that, similar to what was mentioned, people, there'll, there'll be a need for professional help. Uh, sometimes there's 
things that children are suffering from that can't be untangled so easily. And they require people who, that's just what they do. And um, this is a fard kifaya, a communal obligation that is yet to be fulfilled for Muslims. We need that Muslim um, psychologists and psychiatrists and counselors uh, that, um, that can approach it from an Islamic perspective. And so um, one of the things that we're hoping, I don't think it's going to happen this year, but next year, uh, when Hakim Salim Khan comes, is that he'll, we're hoping that he'll put on the module for, um, what, is, what does he title it? Psychotherapy. Psychotherapy. Um, and to, you know, we really need people to train in this, you know, so that, that um, uh, you know, the community's needs can be uh, that, uh, met, inshallah. So are there any uh, quick questions? The material today was pretty straightforward. I was going to add that um, psychologist Gabor Mayday, he's also really good with um, childhood addictions and mm. behavioral issues, and a lot of it, he says, stems from parents, that they have not resolved their issues as trauma or imbalance issues as a child, and it carries on to the next generation. What's, his, generation. what's his name? Gabor Mayday, M-A-T-E. I sent you a YouTube link. Okay. So it's stressful. There's a YouTube video that's called Stressful Parenting. How he says, like, children who have asthma or respiratory issues as a result of just parents who did not know how to do parenting very well and they had issues in their own life and then it just carries on to their children. Mm. So children don't know how to breathe properly or have physical ailments due to the emotional issues of it, of parents not being able to resolve their own traumas. And it carries on. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, Nishan. Rasallah, you had good timing. You 